0: So tonight I would like to explore together in a somewhat interactive way um, so I'll stop a few times uh, maybe we'll do a little bit of practice or investigation and then um, invite any uh, reflections or experiences or feedback so uh, so I just really encourage you to um, kind of engage um, in a you know, dialogue or an exploration together. Um, and what I'd like to sort of f- focus on is um, is something I think we can all relate to and, and maybe it's um, one of the reasons, either kind of consciously or implicitly, um, why we're all here tonight. Um, it's something that the Dalai Lama uh, brings up very frequently in his teachings. and he likes to point out that um, all beings, w- without exception, um, at their core, uh, desire happiness and the freedom from suffering. I think that all of us can relate to to that in one way or the other as as a motivating force in our lives. And um, I think you can you can benefit from that. I can benefit from that reflection in a number of ways. Um, and I think one of the ways that uh, the Dalai Lama often brings that up is sort of in the context of just seeing how we're all sort of in the same boat and this can lead a sense of, um, uh, generate a sense of um, compassion or kindness or um, acceptance, you know, and when we see people acting in certain ways or we, we can reflect on our own confusion. Uh, I think it can be helpful to reflect, like, oh, beneath all of that, there is um, a basic intention for uh, to to find a little bit more happiness, a little bit more peace, and um, that, that, we're all, that we all share that um, aspiration. Another way to look at that um, that statement uh, about uh, this principle uh, of seeking seeking freedom. Is, is as a, a direction, as a kind of pointing to um, some processes that are really uh, essential f- for that happiness. And specifically, you know, the process of how does suffering come about, and how is, does freedom come about. After the Buddha had been uh, teaching for some time, Um, He, someone came and asked him, you know, so what is this that you teach? What do you teach? And I I imagine he reflected for a moment, and he could have said any number of things. I mean, this um, it is said that you know, in this great awakening, he really saw very clearly into not only the sort of workings of the universe, but kind of into. Uh, you know, into the minds of people around him, and then the patterns, and you know, he could have said anything, but what he chose to say, I think, is very instructive and very useful. He said simply, "I teach suffering and the end of suffering," uh, and teaching suffering in the sense of, like, I teach the that that there, first of all, that there is suffering, and then. What is the nature of it, and and as we and as we come to understand that more, then there's the possibility for the end of suffering. And um, I think this is such a it's a really powerful statement, and it just seems so direct and a very direct pointing at at something that we all can relate to. And and, um, so that's what I'd like to look at tonight. And. So we can start to ask ourselves, so like, you know, well, where, what is suffering, and, and how do we how do we know it? Um, something else that the the Buddha um, pointed out, and I th- I think is is also useful investigation, is he said that really only sort of six kinds of experiences happen, and that that through these experiences that. Actually, that we don't know anything else of this world except these six basic kinds of experiences, and essentially they're uh, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching or body awareness, um, hearing, and and then cognizing. So it's the the five kind of typical sense doors that we think of, and then uh, sort of the mind uh, in the in this. Worldview: the the mind is the sixth sense door, and and the mind can encompass any sort of thought or emotional experience. And he says that this this is all that ever happens. And so so within that, that is where our experience of suffering and freedom also happens. So and the the further teachings. Um, uh, assert or point to for our investigation the the possibility or that the actual experience of suffering is not inherent in any of these uh, six kinds of experience and it's not the suffering is not inherent in uh, a particular kind of scent a sight object or sight experience or in a particular kind of body experience uh, even, even pain, even a painful experience, or even a, an unpleasant sound, or taste, or, or a painful uh, emotion, you know, the contraction of sadness, or uh, any of those things, uh, or even in, um, but that the experience of suffering really arises in our relationship to those kinds of experiences, the myriad experiences. That we uh, that we encounter just by the fact that we have a body that we're in this world. It's you know it's said that um, that pain is inevitable. Uh, that that is like again having a body we're we're uh, we can es- cannot escape painful sensations. We cannot escape um, uh, getting old and or getting uh, Ill, having illness. But that so pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. It's optional in the sense that, like, how do we relate to these kinds of experiences? You know, uh, how do we relate to that inevitable experience of of loss of the loss of um, a a dear a dear dear one, Um, the the loss of the loss of our job, the loss of our you know um, physical appearance or uh, you know anything anything that we have. Uh, at some point uh, the nature will be for it to go it's and will for it to assume its nature of change and it will go so but what's really interesting is that the teachings are pointing to the possibility that that is not a problem and i think that's completely revolutionary in Sort of in our culture, because the entire cultural message that we get is that the way to find the freedom or happiness that we seek, it's to very carefully control our experience so that we maximize the pleasant experiences and get rid of all of the unpleasant ones. And through that process, and only through that process, can we have uh, what we we seek, the happiness that we seek. So to turn the, uh, uh, turn the investigation not from the, ev- the events and the sensations, the, the pleasant, the unpleasant, the neutral, that, that are kind of constantly arising and passing, but to turn our awareness away from that and back to our relationship with those things that are coming and going, uh, this is the real revolutionary uh, turning. And um, there's a certain degree of responsibility Inherent in that, or sort of a sense of responsibility that we need to take for our own experience of happiness, and it's a, it's a movement from uh, sort of thinking that it's all that things need to change out there, or that um, this person needs to start behaving a little bit, you know, more like we like them to, or that you know any of those things that we think need to change, and turning back uh, t- to how we're relating. And so, not only is there a sense of kind of responsibility, but there's also the possibility of, of freedom there. There's, there's, so there's responsibility as well as possibility in that turning, because uh, I mean, as, as we all can experience, it's it's very difficult to uh, to control the world. You know, whether it's like the traffic on the freeway, or um, our you know our children, or our own mind, even. It's very difficult to control our experience but this, this teaching is that we don't have to, and that's like that's enormously relieving if if the teaching was that well you actually have to control everything and get you know, get your mind all in order and you got to get the people on the freeway all politely, <laughs> you know, sort of lined up and, you know, like, like, everyone's signaling and, like, taking deep breaths before they turn change lanes, you know, like, boy, that would be, or little kids, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, herding cats, you know. It's it's very hard to get the world to line up and it's, it's the world's nature, you know, just entropy and physics, it's the world's nature is to kind of Tend towards like disorder, and if if we if our whole worldview about like how we get happy is set up around um, you know trying to box it in and manipulate and control, we're just like going kind of butting heads with like the nature of reality, and that's a losing battle. So, um, so this is what I want to kind of keep looking at and and investigating together. It's like how do we turn this relationship back to our experience, and then what sort of things, um, what sort of patterns in our mind uh, keep telling us that we need things to be different in order to relax? <clears throat> so there's in the, again in the teachings there's said to be three kinds, three main kinds of suffering. And I think these are pretty intuitive, at least most of them, uh, I think we can relate to that. And so it's the suffering of grasping, of wanting, of like, oh, if I could only get that chocolate or that lover or that new car or that parking spot right in front, then, oh yeah, then I'd be happy or you know it could be a, it could be more subtle if i get that clear mind you know oh i had that you know last week or on retreat or when i was out in the forest oh it was so delicious and yummy if i could just get you know you, know, you know, we know we know this we do this so you know we can relate. that's that's suffering that's there's tension that's you know it's thirsty i mean the the literal tr- uh, translation of the Pali word for suffering is tana, the word tana is thirst. Just thirsting. Oh I could just Okay, so then on the other side it's it's the opposite. It's aversion, it's pushing away, it's not wanting. It's like, oh this pain in my back or you know, like I've got this relationship with my old car, these little squeaks in my car, these little rattles, and I try to fix them, and but they just keep coming back, you know <laughs> and so I, f- I just find myself just thinking you know just very subtly, oh, if that rattle, if I could just fix that rattle, like oh, I'd be just right. Um, so it could be anything or it could be you know it could be so much more like it could be more grave, it could be you know this illness that we have, or it could be. You know the illness of our child. I mean, you know it's heavy. It's, it's, but uh, but again, you know it's. There's a relationship happening there. There's there's the there's what's coming up. There's there's the experience that we could have in the body in these one of these six senses, and then then there's the relationship to it. The the last kind of uh, main kind so there's. There's grasping, there's aversion, and the other main kind is is suffering of delusion, or ignorance, and that one's a little bit more slippery. It's kind of, I mean, just sort of by its nature, it's hard to put on, put your finger on it. If, if we're sort of lost in delusion. It's hard to even know that that's what's you know if basically by definition if you know you're in delusion you're not really in delusion anymore, but it's the kind of suffering that's just sort of you know amorphous and hazy. Just kind of you know where did that last hour go or half hour while I was sitting go, and it's it's subtle but. and it takes some investigation to really see into that a little bit, but in my experience, I've found there's a there's a subtle tension to that kind of being lost. But, you know, because often it's it's there's a thought you know it's sort of lost in thought, and these thoughts may not be um, you know either very strongly pleasant or unpleasant. It, it might not be the most delicious or sexy fantasy that we've had or or could or, or we're not like rehashing, you know, this traumatic thing that happened to us yesterday or when we were 2 years old. It could be just sort of like kind of planning and you know reviewing the day and so it's just pretty neutral. And yet there's a subtle kind of tension to it. There's like there's not that sense of deep ease that we that we know that we've touched There's also this delusion or this ignorance can kind of encompass um, other experiences. Sort of like the the kind of the formal um, definition of ignorance is, is persisting and holding on to the idea that we're somebody, and that we're somebody separate from the rest of life. I mean, and that leads to all the other things. If we feel like we're separate, then that means, well, we need to kind of like keep ourselves safe, and we need to get all the good stuff in here and keep all the bad stuff out there. But even if we're not actively pushing or pulling, there's still this sense of like me, you know, Matt, you know, and like, and the reputation, and um, (laughs) and uh, you know, like, how are people perceiving me? And everything comes back to me, and that whole. You know, some t- people call it selfing that whole process of like building up and controlling and keeping organized this self there's a tension there's effort to that it takes it takes our energy it drains our energy uh, I mean we can probably relate to you know those moments where we can think like oh when was I just so happy and so joyful it I'd be very surprised if, if any of those moments were about, contained us thinking, oh, you know, here I am, and look at me, and all of this. It's those moments where we lose ourselves, you know, in a beautiful piece of music, or in this, on these mountains, or in the ocean, or, you know, with our lover, or with our children, or whatever. It's, it's not that I'm here, and they're there, it's just, there's just, ex- there's just life flowing through. It's, that's the experience of letting go of that, Burden of me, you know. There's uh, there's a nice uh, metaphor, simile um, about you know this. What is it like to? It's like this big burden, like this big bag of luggage that we're kind of schlepping around on our shoulders, you know. But the ironic thing, and, and so so like, say we're on a train, like we got on, you know, we're on this train, we're going along in life, and we have got this big bag. But the ironic thing is, we're already on the train. Train's moving. We're moving with it. It's possible to put the burden down, and we still have access to all our stuff and our luggage. Maybe it's even easier to get to if we're not carrying it. And boy, it's so much lighter when we let the train, when we let life kind of carry the burden for us. And so it's it's interesting. It's interesting, and it's it's interesting in those. Those moments are to the extent that we can sort of put this down or at least like kind of lean on something then we can uh, we can relate to our, the things in our life the, the people the our jobs our you know, we can relate to it without being uh, so lost in delusion so that's so that's kind of a long-winded way of talking about this other kind of suffering that's a little bit harder to put our fingers on. So there's these three ways that we all get lost. We 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 grab, we push, and we sort of space out into me and the concept of me. So what do we do? What do we do about this? You know, and and or even maybe first, uh, how is yeah? So how does this work? How does this process happen? This process of of having an experience and then reacting to the experience of life. And what happens if we just for a moment relax? There, a student of Achogyam Trumpa said something, it's just very short, but I think it really sums, sums this up pretty well. He says, uh, Reginald White said, The entire path consists of nothing more nor less than learning to rest in the gap between feeling and craving with ever more depth and subtlety. So let's break that down a little bit. So this, the feelings, these are like the six sense experiences that we all get. You know, Having a body, having a mind, we, the feelings come. And the, the feelings are pleasant, they're unpleasant, they're neutral. But the, he says the entire path rests in the gap between that feeling and the craving, the reacting to it. And if we can just relax into that gap, and just let ourselves in, and be, and put it down, that's it. So uh, Franz Kafka, maybe an unlikely Dharma teacher, but he said something that I think was pointing right at this. Uh, I'm not sure if this is from uh, *Metamorphosis*, where he turns into a bug. <laughs> I'm not sure which which passage is from, but here's what he said. He said, "You don't need to leave your room. Remain sitting at your table and listen. Don't even listen. Just wait. Don't even wait. Be quite still, still and solitary." The world will freely offer itself to you, to be unmasked. It has no choice. It will roll in ecstasy at your feet. So just just where you are, let's just try this for a moment. Let's just, without moving, without shifting, just close your eyes. You don't even have to close your eyes if you don't want to. So let's see what it could be like to rest in that gap between our experience and our reactions. Curious, what our experiences were and are. If you're anything like me, if there were a couple of thoughts that came up. You know, there are a couple of ways in which I noticed, well, or which I didn't notice. I didn't particularly notice the world. Um, Rolling in ecstasy at my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone notice that? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Maybe you know it was. It's pretty quiet in here. It's nice to here. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It it's nice. Yeah. But there, you know, it's a mixed bag. You know, there's, so anyway, I'd like to hear uh, any if anyone's willing to share. Um, l- but let me back up a bit. Like I suspect. That we're we're here coming to the, you know these teachings because it's not so easy to do this even and and so I, and I imagine that most of us have heard something similar to these sort of ideas that, that I've been you know presenting you know oh it's um, you know peace is possible that um, you, know, f- you know freedom is here and if we can just change our relationship to our experience and then we can relax and. So we've heard this before, but like what? So I'm interested in like what happens when the rubber meets the road, like when we actually stop. So um so yeah, if anyone please would um you know like well, what comes up for you? Um,
1: well, hmm. There's a, there's a, a Real comfort there, Mm -hmm. and um, so I was aware of that in comparison to like what I normally have to do in life. (laughs) And to me, it's like almost like um, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but it's Mm -hmm. like I prefer that space Mm -hmm. to what's going on in the rest of my life. Okay. Because, Mm -hmm. but then, then I think, well, if I stay there, I won't take care of my responsibilities right. <laughs> that okay. allow me to come here in the first place. I see. So, I mean, yeah. I prefer to be in a cave or on a mountain or something, <laughs> you know, and, and those right. things aren't part of my worries.
0: Right. But right. Anyway. So, may, may I respond? Yeah. So, it sounded like you, just in, in taking a little bit of space, you were able to sort of drop into some ease. Yeah, I see. And there. some softness, and, and which, is, which is lovely. And um, and then there was also maybe a, a kind of um, uh, some sort of tension around like wow how long can I stay here because of these other responsibilities in my life and and maybe even maybe even a sharp bringing sharper focus to the uh, the the um, some of the patterns or that some of the tension in the other parts of, the, of your life was is that part of what's going on?
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's. A very productive place to be, I think, uh-huh. as a person that practices these things. And so, it's unfortunate you have to go out and do all these other things in order to, you know, take care of the rest okay. of your life. Right. I guess that was the contrast.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I think for all of uh, this in, in these investigations that we're doing, it's so it's so helpful to have a supportive context. It's so helpful to have a center. And to have sangha, and to have you know just basic safety and you know cleanliness and uh, you know freedom from disease and all these things. These are really supportive conditions. But I I, I think. But again, the the turning is. Uh, we, it's it's a trap to think that we need those to to find some freedom. You know, they're very supportive and they can help us relax, but they can help us relax. In a way that helps us relax our relationship to them, and that's where that's where the real freedom happens. Like even if you had the opportunity to go into a cave and do some extensive practice, um, I mean I've done lots of long retreats. It's it's in a way going to like a cave, and I sh- it, I sure didn't find like the world continuously rolling in ecstasy. Like my mind was very adept at finding problems. You know, like, oh, that person's breathing too loud. Like, oh, how can I bear this another day, or let alone a few more weeks of this? Like, I can't believe how, la- how, they- or that they wear this, you know, the- those nylon pants. Like, didn't anyone tell them you don't wear that to the meditation hall? Because every time you step, it just swishes. And I mean, the the nerve of these people. <laughs> So, I, I'm sure nobody can relate to any of them. You, know, you know, so even in the most supportive conditions, uh, we can still suffer. And then, but even further than that, well, so you do get the cave, and there's nobody around to wear swishy nylon pants, and so you're like, this is great. You know, and maybe really the conditions are so good that you just drop it to some really delicious, yummy, blissful meditations, you know, and you're just cruising for weeks on end. You know, well then what? But what happens when you come back? You know, Um, what happens when you know uh, you know when you're coming down from the mountain? What happens when the yak poops and you step in? You know, or whatever, (laughs) or or the you know the traffic in Calcutta or in Palo Alto or whatever. You know, and it's like how you know did that experience in the cave. Really, uh, help you to continually work on your relationship to things. Or it, it, was it just, not just, but was it mostly perhaps, uh, a, a kind of a temporary escape or freedom from that? Which is, which has its place. It definitely has its place to be in really supportive conditions for a while so that we can kind of exhale and relax some of the tension that we just, that some of the armor that we put on to try to survive in this world. And it's helpful to learn, to be in places where it's really easy to take it off and let it go. But that's not the freedom. The freedom isn't in the taking it off in in good conditions. The freedom is again and again looking, or being forced to, as we are most, like in, in our day, we're being like traffic, or pollution, or the you know, degradation of our environment or the poverty or whatever it is, they force us to look at like oh, what's our relationship to this life and to these six kinds of experiences and and that is the teachings are all about that that's really where the the, the real refuge is the real freedom is in kind of making our relationship so and that and the habit of our relationship so much to be like, oh. Awareness, like oh let me feel this, let me see how it really is. Oh wow, it's really painful right now. Like, oh my god, I'm I'm just really hurting. I'm really, really sad right now. And you know, and she left me and God I just really wanted her to stay. So that's that's what we get. That's one of the six experiences. That's sadness or that's loss or whatever. And that hurts, you know. There's no, no, um, nobody's arguing with the pain, the inevitable pain of that. But there's the the second arrow. They say, you know, like that's one arrow. The second arrow is like, oh, and I don't want this, or, you know, the tension, or please take it away, or if only it were. That's that's where we have freedom. That's where we have the possibility of freedom. And. That you know, that's why we're practicing, I think, and we That's why we're practicing mindfulness, is so that we can see and feel this process as it's happening. And then, and then what you know? So, um, any please, any other experiences or comments? Yeah. Hi, I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Um.
2: I thought I started coming here six months ago for one reason and that purpose is evolving. Um, I spent most of my twenties and thirties in the craving place um, wanting to um, find a life partner and have a child. and It took that long to do those things and um, I've been married for six years and I have a um, seventeen month old daughter and that took six years for that to manifest. And I came here for this practice because I realized, okay, now I have everything that I ever wanted, and why am I not ecstatically happy? Yeah. It was just amazing to, that I'm still me, and I still have these things that are yeah. rambling around in my yeah. head, and, and um, you can't run away from yourself by filling up your life. And also, I was really shocked that I really, despite wanting this family I really was craving the, the the aloneness and the freedom that I had when I was a single person yeah. and being able to take time for myself and having a little baby at midlife and it's a huge yeah. adjustment yeah. so I just really relish the opportunity to come here at least once a week and sit here with myself and yeah it, you know take that time for me but it's really shocking when you have your whole fantasy based
0: on I'm going to be happy when, yeah. and then yeah. the when comes and yeah. life goes on. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that, I think that's. Um, it, it sounds to me like uh, disillusionment, and and I, well, I think when we say that there's. Um, there's like maybe a little bit of a negative connotation on that. Like, oh, that was a kind of a bummer to get disillusioned, you know, or like, I kind of got cheated somehow. But, you know, at least in this context, disillusionment, you know, this is disillusionment. That's being taken out of illusion, being taken out of delusion, you know. And it sounds like you through these experiences, which are, yeah, it's, you know, both the craving and then the kind of like, Oh, wow! You know the sort of insights that you're having this is insight this is uh seeing things more clearly like the, the the patterns of life and the sort of uh you know the laws of nature, the mechanics of how things operate and like how the wanting and like and again like where does the where does the real happiness lie you know even in the getting what we thought we wanted. And even, even in the loveliness of that, uh, it's still not quite it. It's still, it keeps turning, like the wisdom, as we see things more clearly and just watching the patterns in ourselves and in the world, we start to, um, yeah, we start to have the possibility of, of navigating and having some space. and Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah.
3: I've just been, Since October, and I find it very difficult because um, I was a Type A person with a Type A job, and I just imploded. You know, way too much work and everything, and too many of the good things. So. I have trouble reading now and, and remembering things, so it's daunting to come in here and hear these talks and really only get a small part of it. Yeah. You know, so I come as often as I can, but I, I see that you know maybe in 20 years when I'm about ready to hit the grave. Um, maybe i 'll have a pretty good understanding, you know because yeah. this is a very it 's a very easy thing to do to come here because there 's a closeness and a, a careness and there 's just yeah. i can 't describe how wonderful it is for me to come here, mm. um, probably because i 've had to live in our city the last seven years some I only have one kind of friend. Mm. So it's nice to be <laughs> around mm. people. Mm. But, um, so I hope it's okay to come and not have to remember everything yeah. as mm-hmm. it goes along. Yeah, okay? absolutely. And it's way over my head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Thank you for, I, I, you have complete permission. <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's what's so, one of the things that's so, kind of amazing to me about these teachings and this whole kind of, you know, life really. I mean, I I think the Buddhist teachings are just one way, I think it's an exquisitely skillful and precise way of describing how things work, like sort of the mechanics of the universe and the rising of suffering and the, the rising of freedom. And it's just, it's vast and... Exquisite and beautiful and, and nuanced, and you can study, but it's also simultaneously so beautifully, elegantly simple. You know, it's, I mean, um, it's, what is it like? You know, it's, a, it's just about awareness and kindness. It's just about feeling and seeing and knowing what's true, and then can we be gentle with it? Can we be kind to it? Can we be to this, to that, to whatever comes up? Can we just know it how it is? Know it, oh, it's squirmy right now, and oh, can I relax with that? Or like, oh, it's sad right now, or oh, it's tight, or it's, ooh, you know, can I just settle back with that? And so, I mean, I think it's really as simple about as that. You know, it's it's also, but However, it's it's simple, but not necessarily easy. It's it's mindfulness, awareness, kindness. Even they're very simple, and in a way, they're easy to do. Just just this. We know how to do this. We know how to be kind to a little child, or a, to soften when we see a sunset, or you know, we know this. But what's difficult is to remember to do it. To remember to do it all the time and over and over and to remember that, that that, that's, that we know that ease, that we know that freedom and that that's actually sweeter and more satisfying than getting that espresso you know at head of that person who's going to cut me off, and you know <laughs> like that this, the, the ease of relaxing of letting go is so much more delightful than the than the kind of the thrill or the addiction of accumulating or of controlling and keeping it all away so I 'm safe. <laughs> So I don't know. So I think, I think we're all in the same boat there. It's, it's overwhelming. You know, if we, we can't, especially in this age of information, and if we put this pressure on ourselves to figure it all out or get it all organized, oh, we're in... I was in
3: a class for five years that was based on mindfulness.
0: Yeah.
3: On a book by um, Marsha Lineham from the University of uh, Washington in Seattle. And she dealt with uh, mindfulness was part of every avenue. So there'd be emotion regulation, Mm -hmm. there'd be distress tolerance, and I can't remember the other one I did five years of it. So the mindfulness is is kind of easy for me, Mm -hmm. and so I think that was one of the comforting things Um, right away. I found a mentor here, though I don't think she wants to be. And something, I told her something that happened that just... And she goes, don't get angry. She says, say blessings for them, that they'll be a better person. I'm like... But I thought about it for about a week, and I realized and so thank God my therapist just came back because I didn't know that he's been a spirit, doing stuff at Spirit Rock for nine years. He's been my therapist for seven years and I didn't know this. But um, And he goes, oh yeah, I just got a book, a book that's, that has blessings in it. So instead of having to go read all about Buddha and all the translations and stuff, I, I figured it's a shortcut. know. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I went I yeah. took all this stuff, but he's, his wife had a baby, so I took all these things out there that I want to go to, and I had him approve all the ones. Yeah. He didn't approve the one that was going to make me skip my session with
0: him. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> Sharp. <laughs> I think I think blessings, I think it's really, uh, you know, I think this m- awareness and kindness is really about that kind of blessing. and. You know, seeing what's here feeling, and then blessing it with our attention, blessing it with our acceptance or just our acknowledgement that yes, this is here now, it's like this, and kind of bless it with my kind attention, even the anger you know, and I think it's it's important to before going to like well i need I need to bless it now, like to be like. Like, oh, anger, you know, a, maybe a bow first, like, oh, yes, here you are again, <laughs> um and you know, and then like and even like I think that acknowledgement is a blessing in itself, it's a blessing, uh, other reflections on on this process, like so we so we know this, we know these these processes these these possibilities, but like what happens in a moment, you know? As we sit, what makes it difficult for us to just relax so we've talked a l- we've talked about some of the uh, kind of maybe coarser things, like you know like the real obvious grasping or like the pain in our body or in our back or the tension in our mind, those are maybe more obvious. But what about beliefs that we might have? you know like what beliefs do we have that condition tension in subtler ways what beliefs do we have about what we need to be happy you know like to like today i was i didn't exactly know what i was going to talk about and i was sitting and i was noticing oh there's some tension here you know there's there's some nervousness there's you know, and and then I, I also noticed the, like this kind of leaning like forward or almost around like here's tonight and like my leaning was like kind of around tonight into tomorrow and I was like ah t- tomorrow ah talk will be done ah nice and relaxed oh ah, tomorrow is gonna be really good <laughs> so like what kinds of things come up for you how do we Like sort of in a way, it's like an excuse. It's like, well, I don't really have to or get to even be at peace right now because there's all these problems. We've got this laundry list. I've got this talk to do, and I've got to drive down the traffic, and you know. So, you know, would anyone be willing to share any of that list of excuses or ways that we don't let ourselves relax? Yeah, sure. Or in in life too. But I mean, maybe sometimes it's easier to see, or we can see some of the subtler ones, and those are really interesting. We see the subtler ways that we've been carrying ourselves. So,
4: I I was um, tonight. You started by saying, "Listen to the sounds," and I had never meditated and listened to the sounds. Sometimes I feel annoyed when I hear sounds around me, so I'm probably you said, What are the beliefs or kind of rules or something that you yeah. have set up? And so yeah. I guess I have the belief that sh- everyone should be quiet. <laughs> and, oh, uh-huh. Sorry. And but, so tonight I, I started listening to the sounds. Yeah. And it was great. There was someone over here breathing, and I was like, Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Someone would make a noise over here, and and it would stop. I'm like, Oh, I wish they would make that noise again. Like, I, I started wanting to hear, and then i was like, Oh, I should just let it pass because that's what just happened and now yeah. it's over. <laughs> and then I'd like, I, I, but every time I'd hear, you know, someone was making a noise and then repeated, repeated, and repeat, and I'm like, oh, what a lovely noise. And yeah. I was always waiting, ho- like almost hoping that people would make some noises. So it was, um, I, I thi- but before I was very disturbed when I was trying to meditate on my mm. breath or something. I was very mm. disturbed, but mm-hmm. tonight it's like, Beautiful, everything was like music or something. That's
0: great, wow. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a perfect example, a great example of how it's about our, our relationship to it. You know, the sounds are probably about the same as any other sitting group you've been at, and boy, I can sure relate to that. I'm an aversive type, you know, each of us tends to have a type. Which where we predominantly get stuck? You know, to, are we a greed type, and are we you know kind of leaning towards, or are we pushing away, or are we kind of just sort of spaced out? And so I'm an aversive type, so I really notice that little squeak in my car, you know, <laughs> and I really notice you know when somebody's breathing over there in the corner. And so my habit is, my habitual reaction is to is it's conditioned by this belief that oh, people are supposed to be quiet in the meditation hall, and and that it's supposed that even. That it's just supposed to be quiet, period, in the meditation hall. That you know we're not supposed to have traffic, and th- and see all these beliefs. All these beliefs are that basically that if all those things were true, like if there was if it was absolutely silent, boy, that would. <laughs> but if it was absolutely silent, then it would be easier for me to be happy. <laughs> I mean, really, it's just like that's what's going on. But it's not very often that we really kind of like look in the mirror and go like. Ooh, that's what's going on, you know. Like that's kind of like, <laughs> like that's sort of like the, you know, that's that's a pattern. It's kind of like waking up in the morning, and being like, wow, or like remembering, like, oh, I did that last night, or you know, it's like that's what we're doing. We're setting these things up, and these rules in our mind about how things need to be, and it really is a drag, you know. It, it just it hurts. It's tense. Anyway, so it's so lovely to to, to hear you describing that shift into. Experiencing that, to starting to relate to it, like getting out of the story that it's not supposed to be like that, and just into the directives experience of well, how is it? Like you know, it's like when's the last time we actually listened, instead of just like hearing a little bit and then reacting, and then we're not listening anymore, we're we're reacting. So if we just start to listen, then it's like yeah, as you described, there's like a little bit there, there's a little bit there, and it's like the conductor is like, you know, like. You know, bring on the traffic a little bit, come on, bring it up, and, <laughs> you know, and this, the, then this, like, the little, like, the timpani of, like, or the little symbols, you know, like, there's the breath over there, and, and, I remember, I've done this a lot on retreat, and um I've just had some really great times in the dining hall at a retreat, a silent retreat, but boy, there's like, especially at Spirit Rock, when it's kind of, the, the floors are, so, sort of, there's not much, Carpet or anything, and and so the thing is, it gets pretty loud just with all the forks (laughs) and the chewing and the chairs scraping, and and you know, just I've had some times of just just like listening to the symphony of the dining hall, and it's so much fun because there's. I think one thing I like about sound is that it's so clear that we're not in control. You know, like we have no control about what sound we're going to hear next. But and so that can either be when when we we realize we're out of control, that can lead to two. It's like our relationship with the unknown can be can take two forms. It can take the form of like terror, like oh no, it's unknown. Oh my goodness, you know. And we can try to do everything we can to research it and go on Google and research about that and poison (laughs) oak and like ticks and Lyme disease and like oh no, and now the ozone hole and like we can like. We can relate to, um, the unknown like that, and like try to fix, or we can, the other possibility is that it's exciting. You know, it's like you go into the haunted house. It wouldn't be very much fun if they told you like, well, around the next corner, we've researched it, and there's gonna be a ghoul, and it's gonna come out at three meters per second, and, you know, or whatever. You know, it wouldn't be very much fun. Like, we go to be surprised, and, be, and our, it's our relationship I mean, and it would be a little bit different, if we were in the woods and like people with real knives were coming at us, you know. <laughs> and and our relationship, but but again, it's our relationship, you know. Or you know, it's like if we think that light, you know, light, lovely touch um, on our back is is our lover who's just caressing us. That's that's pretty sweet, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then if we think like, oh my God, that's the biggest tarantula I've ever, <laughs> <laughs> but the sensation's the same. But our re- our relationship with it is different anyway so so that 's a great example of, and I love to practice with sound that way because if we can drop into that curiosity that 's a way of directly encountering the moment, not our ideas about what sounds should be there or how it was last time or maybe tomorrow you know it 's just like let 's just be here and let 's be in the mystery let 's see what 's next let 's keep it open, and then there 's like this possibility for for curiosity and interest and and wonder and and freedom, and and real freedom, yeah. Hmm. Other experiences or reflections of what you know what happens in that moment. You know, when when we sit down, what do we notice? Where, Well, let's, let's take a moment then, let's just all again, just where you are without needing to change position or do anything, let's just take a moment and see how it is, see if we can just kind of settle back and let things be as they are. Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here, this opening to the life we've refused again and again until now until now, this opening to the life we've refused again and again until now, until now. So those are words by David White. I think really sort of summarizing this process, you know, and, and all of the different ways that we refuse, we, that we refuse to just let ourselves be as we are, that we refuse to let the world be as it is, until now, that we have done this, and and in a moment, it's possible to let that be. And in that changed relationship, of that open-handedness, that curiosity, that kindness, right there is freedom. So let's just take one more moment together and you close your eyes. And I invite you just to reflect on that core intention that, that brought all of us here today, this intention to seek happiness and freedom. And to take refuge in the wholesomeness of this intention. To take refuge in the way that this intention aligns ourselves ourselves with the the way of the universe and the it puts us into the stream of freedom. So I invite us to breathe that, to know that, to feel that and then to exhale, to share that from our heart with our well-wishing, to share that goodness, the goodness of our practice together, of our practice in our life. May this benefit, may this blessing extend outwards from ourselves. May it fill this room and may it extend over the city, over the entire planet. May all beings everywhere find happiness and freedom. much.